welcome to our podcast. And today I'm joined by Robert and John. So topics covered today, we're going to have a quick chat about the likelihood of a recession, the change to the Prime Minister. We're also going to talk about administration, in particular composite tax vouchers being sent out. And finally, chatting about elderly care and short-term investment. last week has been an interesting week in politics with Mr. Johnson finally resigning. He got the message. So, John, we could be heading towards some political uncertainty and we could be heading towards a recession. Uh, Your thoughts, please. Yeah, I, I, I think we are heading towards a recession, but I don't think that's just a UK thing. I would say that that's that's going to be a global problem. Central banks have got their, their well, they're so far they're so far behind the curve with regard to interest rates and inflation that just when it would have been useful to have maybe notched interest rates down, especially with what's going on in Ukraine and oil prices and food prices, they don't have that ammunition. So um, they're now raising rates in order to um, try and extinguish the inflation that they are responsible for. So they're completely out of kilter with, with, with the economic cycle. So those rate increases, I think, are going to bring about the recession that they have for so long tried to prevent. With regard to inflation in this country, I've just been to Edinburgh and stayed the night in the Hotel Duvan. And because of demand and supply, read the Scottish Open Golf Tournament and the Open Golf Tournament, we paid pretty near £1,000 for two nights. And that just goes to show you people may well be squealing about they don't have any money. But do you know what? There's the demand there. There is. Everywhere you go, I see jobs advertised, you know, shop windows, whatever. There's no shortage of jobs, it would appear to me. It's going to be the weirdest recession. Yeah, I agree. Yes. I mean, what sort of impact do you think that's going to have for investors and the stock markets around the world, etc.? I think you've already seen bond markets sell off significantly. We've talked about bonds endlessly, that they were hideously overvalued, and it's why we've generally stayed away from them. Uh, With regard to equities, any sort of growth type situation has fallen back. But as usual, the stock market will shoot first and and ask questions later. There are good businesses that have significantly uh, fallen in value. And I would argue that some of those situations are a little unfair if you're prepared to take the kind of five to 10 year view that we do. Your latest thoughts on the Ukraine? It seems to have disappeared a bit, John, from the news of late. I don't think anything really has changed for the last uh, six, six or eight weeks. The Russians have been forced to narrow their, their target of attack to the two eastern provinces because they failed so conspicuously elsewhere. Putin has to come up with something. And so he will, if necessary, level those two provinces of Donetsk and, and Lugansk straight out of their playbook, I should say. I've walked the streets of Grozny in Chechnya and uh, it's all new and it's all new because uh, the Russians in 2000 totally flattened it. It was more it was more destroyed than Dresden. So that's what they'll do, I think. And their idea is to drive out as much of the population as possible and try and then just re- redraw the border. Putin's in way too deep now to be able to, to, to back off. I think that for the moment is going to be what they're going to try and achieve in the longer term 
who knows? I think for the moment, you've got a kind of grinding war of attrition in those two eastern provinces. I suspect we could be sat here in six months' time and probably not too much has changed. Okay. And what about the assassination of Shinzu Abe? Do you think that's going to have a significant impact on the Far East? It's a very unusual event for for Japanese society, but I don't see any real political or economic fallout from, from his assassination. He did very well for Japan, didn't he, in the last, when he was in power? He, he was the architect of the, you know, Three Arrows policy. And, but, you know, if you look at Japan's debt burden, it's just absolutely enormous. It'll be, just off the top of my head, in, in GDP terms, it's probably two to three times more than, say, the US or, um, or the UK or any kind of Western-style democracy. Japan has a huge, huge debt problem, an aging population. To me, it seems that a lot of Japan's problems have been just kicked down the road. Um, but you could perhaps apply that to, to so many other countries as well. It's just a very unusual event for Japan, is something like that. I'm going to get on my hobby horse now, and I'm going to talk about administration. I was talking to somebody the other day who has a portfolio managed by one of the large organizations in this country. And as at the first week in July, he was still waiting his composite tax voucher and he was spitting feathers. To make matters worse, that is a business which is A, up for sale and is the amalgamation of three classical names in the investment management industry. And if you drill down, that means that it's going to have three different types of computer systems. It is up for sale, so it will be joining another major player, which will mean, you've guessed it, another computer system. So my money says that whilst he's not got his composite tax voucher at the beginning of July this year, he might be waiting even longer next year. It is amazing how administration is an exact science. You should be able to get that 100% right 100% of the time. Choosing the investments to buy is an inexact science. Maybe that gentleman, Duncan, should send his investments to Williams Investment Management to manage instead. And then he would get his composite tax vouchers in the middle of May. At the very least. We are often asked about investing for elderly people, and especially where care home costs are required. So I think it's just worth touching on that subject. The rule of thumb, in my opinion, is that you need five years of capital uh, for the shortfall in nursing home fees, because any investment which you make has to be a long-term investment. There are exceptions to that rule, but in general, you take the amount of pensional income and take that away from the amount of the care home costs. And then you multiply that amount by five years to find out what you want in the bank. The big problem is that often people are very old and the average stay in a nursing home is six months. It's very difficult to to invest for people in that position, although an awful lot of this industry tries to do that. The exception to the rule, which I touched on, is that where you are investing for the beneficiaries. So if you've got children who are going to 
pay off their mortgages or buy a new car, go on a flash holiday. Once they get their inheritance, in my opinion, you can't invest. But if you are looking at children or beneficiaries who are going to continue with their parents' portfolio on their demise, then it makes a lot of sense investing. And we do that quite a bit. The investments on once probate has been granted, etc., are then transferred into a portfolio for um, the children. And there are no additional costs involved for doing that. It's far better to do it that way than to sell all the investments and then repurchase the investments, incurring additional costs. So that's interesting, Duncan. I have recently been advising the son of a deceased friend of mine who's 27 or 28, and he said, Rob, I'm looking to buy a flat in a year's time that I've inherited 200 grand. What should I do? Where should I put it? I said, to be honest with you, there's no point you putting in the stock market because I don't know whether it's going to go up or down. And if it goes down, you know, I don't really want to be writing to you saying, you gave me 200 grand, it's now worth 180. I'm so sorry about that. So I said to him, just put it with the bank, uh, even though it's only going to give you half percent or one percent. But at least, you know, that's where it is. But that's on the basis that you need the money in a year's time. Otherwise, as you say, if it were a five year, 10 year view, I'd be saying, yeah, we can we can advise you properly about where you should put that money. But short term, no way. Yeah, I, I agree. I think it's a mistake an awful lot of people make is to invest for the short term because there are costs involved and obviously there are risks. And I, I truly believe that where you've got elderly people who are not likely to be in nursing homes for all that long, then you are better leaving it in cash. And so often people pay off, use inheritance to pay off mortgages, etc. And you can fully understand that. So you cannot, in my opinion, invest that money. I hope you've enjoyed today's podcast. Lots of people say that they do. And if you do, please forward it to your friends, stroke colleagues, who you might think are interested in our sort of our views on life and investments generally and that's what floats our boat and of course robert people are more than welcome to send in their own questions we're very happy to answer any questions obviously this material shouldn't be considered as advice or an investment recommendation you should consult an advisor regulated by the financial conduct authority prior to making investment decisions All investments carry a degree of risk. The value of any investment or income received from it can go up as well as down and you may not get back the amount invested. Information recorded within this podcast was accurate at the time of recording.